Hello, friends, and welcome to the Diabetes Pro Tip Series from the Juice Box Podcast. These episodes have been remastered for better sound quality by Rob at Wrong Way Recording. When you need it done right, you choose Wrong Way. WrongWayRecording.com Initially imagined by me as a 10-part series, the Diabetes Pro Tip Series has grown to 26 episodes. These episodes now exist in your audio player between episode 1000 and episode 1025. They are also available online at DiabetesProTip.com and JuiceBoxPodcast.com. This series features myself and Jennifer Smith. Jenny is a CDE and a Type 1 for over 35 years. This series was my attempt to bring together the management ideas found within the podcast in a way that would make it digestible and revisitable. It has been so incredibly popular that these 26 episodes are responsible for well over a half of a million downloads within the Juicebox podcast. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Ascensia Diabetes, makers of the Contour Next Gen Blood Glucose Meter. And they have an amazing offer for you. Right now, at my link only, contournext.com forward slash juice box free meter, you can get an absolutely free Contour Next Gen starter kit. That's contournext.com forward slash juice box free meter. While supplies last, U.S. residents only. The Remastered Diabetes Pro Tip Series from the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Touched by Type 1. See all of the good work they're doing for people living with type 1 diabetes at touchedbytype1.org and on their Instagram and Facebook pages. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. And now I'm proud to present the episode that started the Diabetes Pro Tip series. What was originally episode 210, Diabetes Pro Tip, newly diagnosed or starting over. Welcome to the Juice Box Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Benner. I first interviewed Jenny Smith, the CDE from Integrated Diabetes, back in season one on episode 37. At that point, Jenny and I were just talking about different management ideas. But it was then that I realized how much we agreed about type 1 diabetes and the management of the disease. I brought Jenny back on in episode 105, and we really drilled down about A1Cs, what they were and what they weren't. After that second interview with Jenny, I decided that one day I would have her back on to discuss all of the diabetes management ideas that come up on the show. I wanted to break them down into small categories, something that was easily digestible where we'd stay focused on just one idea. I wanted to create something that you could come back to, hopefully learn from, and if you found useful, share with others simply. And so with that in mind, I give you the first in this 10-part series, Diabetes Pro Tip for the newly diagnosed or for those wanting to start over with Jenny Smith, CDE. (laughs) 
Please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise, and to always consult a physician before becoming bold with insulin or making any changes to your medical plan. If you're a newly diagnosed person with type 1 diabetes or the parent of someone who's been newly diagnosed, what do you think the first things to understand are? The first things to understand beyond the glucose values are what does insulin do? How does it work? I think that's, it's a huge one that is, it's under, it's underemphasized, mm-hmm. I guess is the best way to put it. Many people, especially adults who are diagnosed, are kind of given a, this is your insulin, this is the dose to take and kind of go experiment at home. I, I feel like that's kind of the way that it is. And I think insulin is a first most important thing to really understand how does it work? What's what's the purpose of it? How is it supposed to kind of finish working? And what is its effect for you? Okay. And so what are some like bare bones ways to come up with those understandings? So I think Obviously, if you have a CGM, it becomes different, right? If you have a CGM, you can get yourself at a stable spot where you haven't had insulin or food for a while and just give yourself an amount of insulin and see how it moves you. Let's talk for a second about like old school. Do you still teach people that they need to do basal testing? In a general way, yes. I think especially for pumping is helpful in the beginning because it does in that basal only time period, it does give you a general idea of how things are being kept with the rate that's at play. I do think that basal testing needs to be more explained, let's say, when we are talking about pumping insulin, though, because there are, as you know, a lot of variables that could be at play in that basal testing time period, especially like from from a woman's standpoint. It could very much be that it's not the right time of the month to be basal testing. Right. 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 So all of these various or a, or a kid or a teen who is um, a kid or a teen who is really athletic. Right. And there is consistent effect of activity level and it may be different on different days, but there could be overlap from a day ago that you had a four hour practice or a tournament. I, so basal testing as a general idea. Yeah. It can be a really good place to start, especially if you think things are really off in a certain place of the day. But is it the end-all, be-all of knowing where your insulin should be? Not 100% of the time. Right. And so so what I end up telling people when I speak with them is that you know if you're having an issue, and that issue could be anything, like you're spiking at a meal, or you're you know drifting high all the time, or you're incredibly high all the time, you know any of those things, you have to first look at your basal insulin. Yes. It's it's absolutely far and away the first thing. I have to apologize to you. Arden's texting me, and I believe she's trying to tell me it's lunch. That's okay. Hold on. So lunch question mark. So Arden has been sick the last couple of days and pretty Aww. pretty kind of resistant like to to her insulin a little bit, but we are ahead of it now. So she's one oh six and stable now. But to give you an idea, she woke up at one ten. By the time she was getting dressed, she was one twenty. Then yeah. there was this diagonal up. I bolused a unit and doubled her basal for an hour, and thirty minutes later had to bolus two more units 
to get her back to this 106. Now, she never got over about 150, but she sees that rise every morning, like that, that little bit of a rise. But this morning I used, I'm going to say three units more than I would normally use. Yeah. And it's just because she's not feeling quite well. Again, another reason that basal testing, something like this is not, it's not purposeful. In fact, I think, you know, a lot of people try to overcome that morning time rise with a basal adjustment. But what happens then when you wake up at a different time of the day, mm-hmm. right? Or you have a variable schedule. So a lot of times I actually tell people, you know what, let's look at what the rise is. Don't correct it. Let's let's watch the rise. Let's figure out how much of a rise are you consistently having. You know what? We can offset it with a, with a dose of, it, of, of bolus. Okay. Sometimes that actually hits the mark better than trying to incrementally adjust a basal behind the scene that could actually change day to day. Right, right. Okay, so now this is um, this is really interesting. Uh, do the temp- wait till I tell you what just happened. So this is kind of hilarious. But my wife is here. I'm gonna have to walk away for a second and come yeah. right back. Arden's pump only has ten units left in it, and oh, her no. and and just and her lunchtime bolus is gonna be twelve units. So I just had her do a smaller bolus as a pre bolus still, and I'm gonna send my wife over to like swap oh, herself. I'll be back. Let me go explain this to my wife. I'll be back in a second. Touched by Type 1 has a wide array of resources and programs for people living with Type 1 diabetes. When you visit touchedbytype1.org, go up to the top of the page where it says Programs. There you're going to see all of the terrific things that Touched by Type 1 is doing. And I mean, it's a lot. Type 1 at school, the D-Box program, Golfing for Diabetes, Dancing for Diabetes, which is a terrific program. Just click on that to check that out. Bowl for a Cause, their awareness campaigns, and the annual conference that I've spoken at a number of years in a row. It's just amazing, just like Touched by Type 1. Touched by Type1.org, or find them on Facebook and Instagram. Links in the show notes. Links at juiceboxpodcast.com to Touched by Type 1 and the other great sponsors that are supporting the remastering of the Diabetes Pro Tip series. Touched by Type1.org. So all is okay? Yeah, my wife's, it's across the street. Yeah, my wife's going to run over. She's working from home today. And it really does just go to show, I guess, the fluidity that you have to keep around diabetes. Because, okay, I'm lucky. My wife's here today. If she wasn't, I would have to tell you, hey, I got to go. But in the end, there's no panic here. Arden's blood sugar is 107. I wanted wanted to do a temp basal increase of 50% for an hour and a half and an extended 12-unit bolus for lunch. But she only has 10 units. So instead, I had her set the temp basal still and do an eight-unit extended bolus. So she's still going to have four units going when my wife gets there. They're yeah. going to swap that pump real quick, and then she's going to head off to lunch and be okay, right? And she'll be fine. She's got so, early lunch. Yeah, on every other day, it's at 1030. And then on the opposite- 1030? Like, what, does she get up at five o'clock to eat breakfast? <laughs> I know, I mean, right? Really, that's- she eats 10.30 every other day, and the opposite day, she eats at 11.30, and she's out of school by 2. Oh, wow. So okay. it's all kind of very quick. I don't know yeah. if she's learning anything, but. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, yeah. So anyway, what I wanted to say about Basil is that I'm sure just like you, I meet people who are having trouble, right? They're yeah. either on the roller coaster, and they're going to 400, and they're going to 60, and up and down, or 
you know, somewhere in that problem. They're high constantly. They're always 180. You know, they can't really seem to do anything about it. And when they get to you, they have all of these theories about why their blood sugar is too high. Right. And I tell them, your blood sugar is too high because you don't have enough insulin and it's not timed correctly. And we're going to start with your basal. And they'll inevitably say, well, what about my insulin to carb? I'm like, that doesn't matter. I'm like, you can have a perfect insulin to carb ratio. If your basal insulin's not right, none of this matters, right? That's right. right. That's why we call basal insulin the foundation of your management. It really is. We, we actually tell people it's like the foundation of a house. Mm-hmm. If you have a sound structure that you're building on top of, everything you put on top of it will work even if the insulin to carbon, the correction factor and things are a little bit off, if the basal is off, those are going to also look like they're not working well. And it becomes impossible to diagnose what's happening, right? And yes. so what I end up saying is that you try to imagine, we use round numbers for examples, but try to imagine your basal is a unit an hour. That's what, mm-hmm. it, that's what it should be. But you have it at 0.5, and then you have you look at some food and you say, oh, well, that food is two units. So you And let's say you're right about that. Let's say you're 100% right that the food takes two units. You put your two units in. All you've done is now replace the basil that you needed, right? You, you, right? And so you're resistant, you're high. Now you're replacing your basil. It's possible those two units will only go towards impacting the problems your basal insulin has. Right. And then your blood sugar shoots up and you go, I don't understand. I put in the right amount of insulin. I counted I my counted carbs. I counted my carbs, right? right? right. See, I counted my carbs. <laughs> I looked at the label and <laughs> I did yeah. everything the doctor told me. Why didn't this work? And right. in the end, and you know, through this series that you and I are going to do together, I'm going to repeat a couple of things over and over that I've found to be incredibly helpful. But in the end, if your blood sugar is high or low, you've mistimed, miscalculated, or a combination of those ideas. And that's pretty much it. You know, yes. that I find that to be the core of it. It's not the first step to me. Not being afraid of insulin is the first step, but we're going to talk about that in a different episode. But I think that it's, it's timing and amount. And I mm-hmm. think there's a million other things that can impact your life with diabetes. But that's the seed of the tree, right? And you could throw away all the leaves and all the branches and everything that comes off of that seed. If you have that seed, timing and amount, you're well ahead of the game. Right. Okay. Right. Absolutely. And I, I would say the, that act, those two pieces actually go very well together as far as not fearing insulin, you know, not being afraid of using it because I, I I'd certainly work with many people who that is a major problem. Mm-hmm. It is, I just want mm-hmm. to eat 200 because I'm afraid to give the amount my pump is telling me to give or the amount that the doctor told me to give. Yeah. You know, um, and I think understanding insulin is the base of that. It understanding is. it and understanding the timing and the action of the insulin and how it also individually works for you helps to dissipate that fear. Right. I think that um, I think that if you can keep your blood sugar stable at 200, then you can keep it stable at 180. And if you can do it at Absolutely. 180, you can do it at 140. And believe it or not, if you can do it at 120, then you can do it at 75. And right. you know, and so. Because the the tools that you use to to achieve that stability aren't different depending on what level your blood sugar is at. It's all right. the same. It's all the same stuff. Okay, so that's that is that's excellent. So we'll talk about fear in an upcoming episode as well. I'm newly diagnosed. 
I go into my doctor's office. Now, you are uniquely qualified to tell me this. What do people get told at diagnosis, and why do they only get told what is shared with them? The Remastered Diabetes Pro Tip Series is sponsored by Ascensia Diabetes, makers of the Contour Next Gen Blood Glucose Meter, and they have a unique offer just for listeners of the Juice Box Podcast. If you're new to Contour, you can get a free Contour Next Gen Starter Kit by visiting this special link, contournext.com forward slash juice box free meter. When you use my link, you're going to get the same accurate meter that my daughter carries, contournext.com forward slash juice box free meter. Head there right now and get yourself the starter kit. This free kit includes the Contour Next Gen Meter, 10 test strips, 10 lancets, a lancing device, control solution, and a carry case. But most importantly, it includes an incredibly accurate and easy-to-use blood glucose meter. This contour meter has a bright light for nighttime viewing, an easy-to-read screen. It fits well in your hand and features second-chance sampling, which can help you to avoid wasting strips. Every one of you has a blood glucose meter. You deserve an accurate one. Contournext.com forward slash juice box free meter to get your absolutely free Contour Next Gen starter kit sent right to your door. When it's time to get more strips, you can use my link and save time and money buying your Contour Next products from the convenience of your home. It's completely possible that you will pay less out of pocket in cash for your Contour strips than you're paying now through your insurance. Contournext.com forward slash juice box free meter. Go get yourself a free starter kit. While supplies last, U.S. residents only. I think it there's a wide range of what people are told. I certainly think that the younger the diagnosis, especially for type 1, the younger the diagnosis, the more education there is, the more information is provided. Um, adults that are diagnosed, I think, unfortunately, get the least amount of education again, and it differs system to system and and provider to provider. But um, in the beginning, you know, they're taught how to use a glucometer. They're taught how to give an injection. Um, They're taught the, or you're going to be taught essentially the basics of that insulin action. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be taught carb counting. I mean, that is pretty much the gist of what you're going to be taught. Anyone who's been listening to this podcast for any amount of time will know that I call that do not die advice. That's the, that's the advice you get so that you don't die. It doesn't keep you healthy. It doesn't help you understand anything. It just keeps you from going home and falling over. Well, and I think another piece of that too is it's very, very soon in that beginning is how to avoid hypoglycemia, how to avoid a low blood sugar because insulin causes low blood sugar. And unfortunately, that's where the fear starts. Exactly. And so that's where it starts, that's where the fear starts. But try to understand it from the clinician's point of view. You are frazzled. I say this all the time. Being diagnosed with with a disease that you cannot cure feels like someone just walked up to you with a shovel and smacked you square in the face with it and then started yelling, basal insulin, bolus, glucometer, this is a test strip. And you're like, wait, wait, what, what? And, And so the doctor sees that on your face and can't, in I guess in their minds, they don't want to overload you. But the unintended problem is just what you said, that 
it, you start with fear then. Everything yeah. starts with fear. It's, it, it would be a simple sentence. It would, be, right. it would be, listen, we're going to teach this to you slowly. I know that seems counterproductive, but it's not. But there's no reason to be afraid. And that's what we're going to learn. Now, the question is, do doctors not teach that because they don't have the time or they don't have the knowledge? Like what, like, because there are, everyone's going to walk into a different endo's office. You're going to get right. an 80-year-old guy who's been doing this since people have been boiling their urine. And, right. he, and he's just going to think that if you count your carbs and inject and go to 300 and come back to 100, that's amazing. And that's that, right? Right. And, and then you're going to get a guy who's in his 50s who's just starting to hear about like, hey, oh, this CGM stuff. And, and, and you're going to get different advice from them. You're going to get different advice from a, you know, a woman who's been out of medical school for three years and has diabetes. How do you as the patient know what advice you're getting when – you don't know anything about diabetes? That's a very good question. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think, you know, with today's technology, honestly, I personally, as people have come to to, to work with me uh, or to work with us at Integrated, you know, it's people come because very soon they realize they're not getting what they need. It's not quite, they're not sure what they're missing, right. but they know from researching and looking and Googling it mm -hmm. that the information that they've gotten is so just literally the tip of the iceberg right. that they're missing so much more beyond and that, you know, that their doctor is saying, well, you have to be in good control for a year to be able to start on a pump. And most parents or even adults are saying, eh, that's not the case. Right. Right, it doesn't make sense. I, that's that's not doesn't make sense. I want to know what I should be doing. I want to know what is the best for my child or for myself. Mm -hmm. I I want to know, and yeah. I think those are some of the things that as a as a newly diagnosed, asking more questions of your provider, even though you may not know exactly what you're asking, when you've googled it and you've researched and done some of your own searching and even asked, you know, some people, I, I think more and more people are, they're kind of, they have acquaintances or whatnot who might have diabetes. Right. And so they, they will ask and they'll say, well, they're doing this, you know, maybe I should ask about this. And I tell all the people that I work with, you know what, if your provider is not able to meet you or can't answer even those basic questions in the beginning, it's, it's time, unfortunately, to find a new provider. It really is. And based off of that idea, I want to say I want to say the same thing to two different segments. So if you're a clinician and you're listening to this, or if you're a person who has diabetes or is trying to care for someone who does, there's a space that a lot of people get into. They're not given enough information up front, and they're they're paying attention, right? They want to do well, they're paying attention, and they see inconsistencies with what's been taught to them in the doctor's office. But because you're the doctor, or because you're looking at a doctor and you were raised to listen to a police officer, your teachers, and a doctor. You're raised to believe that a person in a white coat is infinitely more intelligent than you are. Right. There's right. no reason to question them. And so when they give you these concrete laws of diabetes, you go home, put these laws into practice, and they don't give you decent results. This is for the doctors. It puts people into such a psychological bad place it, it just wrenches their gut. They feel like they're killing themselves or their children, and they don't right. understand why. And even when common sense things about their diabetes show up, they can't bring themselves to make the leap because you've told them 
or not told them anything about that idea. And I will give you a great example, and it's a very simple example. Or kind of before your example, you know, it's kind of a cut and dry too. As you know, kind of going with what the doctor said, the doctor said to do this. The doctor said I should take my my insulin and eat right away. Well, if that's not working and you don't if you don't know that and clinically clinicians I think really do need more information about what really is the real life of diabetes. What's the real life use of insulin and mastering its action and all of that? Because clinical book does not mean it meets what happens at home. And when your clients come to you, when your patients with or people with diabetes come to you and they say, this isn't working, I'm following all of your rules, it's not working. Instead of saying, well, you must be doing something wrong, because that that happens often, whether as a clinician you want that expression to come out or not, it does. Yeah. You make them feel like they're not doing something right, right. and you don't give them a way to, to help. You don't explore with them and say, okay, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear that you've tried everything I thought would, excuse me, would work, right. and it's not, let's Let's see why it's not working. Maybe something is variable for you. And let's have more of a conversation and explain what's happening so that so that yes. the doctor can glean more from what's going on. I'm at the point now, and I'm sure you're there too, I can look at a 24-hour graph and make changes in five minutes that improve somebody's life immeasurably in 24 hours. Yes. I don't know yes. why a doctor can't do that. So, I mean, I figured and it out. And some can. Yes. Some are, some are awesome, but some are not. You know me well <laughs> enough now to know that, you know, I'm not the yeah. brightest person in the world. And I can look <laughs> at it and go, okay, this is this like this. My example of, of how powerful the doctor's suggestion or non-suggestion can be to people is that I was speaking with a woman in her 40s who had had diabetes for 25 years. I looked at her graph. She was distraught. And I said, uh, you just need more insulin. And she said, well, no, 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 because, and, you know, she, like I said, all these reasons why it, that wasn't the case. And I said, no, that doesn't make sense. And in a brief 30-second explanation, over a telephone call, I could literally hear the light bulb turn on in her head. And she went, oh, my God, I just need more insulin. And I was like, right, that's it. I mean, can we go now? Or, you, you know, but, but think, about, think about that. A well-intended, intelligent, educated person who goes to her doctor's visits and in 20 years can't figure out why their blood sugars are the way they are. And no one's ever helped her. Right. So what I'm saying to people who are newly diagnosed or people who have gotten to that point and want to start over, you have to sort of think different. You have to, you know, if you're... If you're in a situation where you're newly diagnosed and you've gotten some real, like what I call like old timey information, um, you need to think differently. And if you've had diabetes for a long time or been caring for someone forever and it's not going the way you want, that's the first thing you have to do. You have to say to yourself, I must not be thinking, like flip it upside down, look at it all the time. I have a friend who every decision they make is wrong. And I once said to them, how come when you have a reaction to something, you just don't wonder what's completely opposite of that and then just do that? I was like, I was like, right, you're, right? you're always wrong. You know, right. so like, and, right. and, and that's what happens every day. You get up, you do this thing with this insulin and this pump and all this stuff, and it always goes wrong. But yet there you are the next day. Doing it over and over and over again, which is a, another reason that I, you know, w- working especially with the women through pregnancy that I work with, mm-hmm. that's a piece of 
the variability that I try to encourage them to sort of work on prior to pregnancy. Okay. You know, because if you can figure out, it's why many people with diabetes eat some of the same things over and over and over again. They have a standard breakfast. I know that it works. I know that I need this much insulin. I need to use a temporary basil for this much or for, you know, whatever, or an extended bolus. And it works for me. It's, that's the reason yeah. because once you figure it out, you're like, great, I, I got this like little magic, this magic piece right here and yeah. I'm not going to screw it up now. I'm just going to have this half a piece of wheat toast, two eggs over easy and two tablespoons of avocado for the rest of my life. Right, exactly. Every morning. If that's happening to you, if you're listening and that's happening to you, I, I say this proudly, The there are some... Um, low carb people who will get upset. And I want to tell them right now, you could eat low carb your whole life. I don't care. I'm just saying that if you ended up there because you couldn't figure out insulin, you know, if, if you're if you're eating something you don't want to be eating, there might be a way to manage this. But I tell people very proudly that at this point, my daughter is 14 years old when I'm recording this. She has had type 1 diabetes since she was two. And for the last five years, her A1C has been between 5'2 and 6'2" with absolutely no diet restrictions whatsoever. Anything you can think of, Arden eats and eats frequently. And I bet her more important within that, and I think we talked about this in the A1C discussion um, and podcast, but more important than even the A1C is her standard deviation, the variability, which I would estimate without even seeing her information, I would estimate that her standard deviation is very nice, meaning she's got these little gentle rolls through the course of the day right. rather than this major roller coaster because you can have an A1C of 5.4. Yes. But and you can have wrong. major, yeah. you know, standard deviation. Yep. And we will talk about that in, in coming episodes. You can't run around with your six A1C, but be at 300 half the day and 50 the other half of the day. That's, right. you've just tricked the A1C test. Right. Um, Arden, and the doctor. Yeah. Because again, that goes back to clinicians. Mm -hmm. A1C is is certainly, it's a starting place. It is not the end all be all. There is more in depth that needs to be looked at with that A1C. Yeah. We try very hard. Um, well, you know what? As you go on and listen to these episodes, you'll realize I'm not trying that hard anymore. I figured it out to the point where it doesn't really take that much involvement from us. But Arden's low alarm on her Dexcom is set at 70. On my follow app, it's 120 for the high alarm. On hers, it's 130. Mm -hmm. And so we'll talk about like bumping and nudging later on. But that's my concept is that smaller amounts of insulin as you try to leave a tight range get you back into that range more quickly and cause far fewer lows later. Yes. Give me one second here. We'll take a pause. Okay. Um, I'm going to text Arden. She's now wearing a new pump. I need to know how much insulin delivered from the last bolus. And then because it's a new pump, and she's literally going to walk right into lunch. Excuse me. I'm going to double her basil for, I was only going to do 50%. Now I'm just going to double it for an hour and a half. Um, and that way, if there's any slow start with that site absorbing and, and having action, I'm just going to do, I'm going to do something that at some point during these, you'll hear me talk about where I call it over -bolusing. Like I just, I, I imagine not just what her needs are now, but the momentum and higher number that I know is coming. When you have diabetes and use insulin, low blood sugar can happen when you don't expect it. 
Gvoke Hypopen is a ready-to-use glucagon option that can treat very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes ages 2 and above. Find out more. Go to gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Gvoke shouldn't be used in patients with pheochromocytoma or insulinoma. Visit gvokeglucagon.com slash risk. Yep. That pod change was one thing that I um, was always in, in, in the beginning, I was very thankful that I had noticed a difference with my animus pump change that I needed that site to just be like, just saturated with insulin Mm -hmm. to get absorption sooner. So, and I was glad because when I started Omnipod in 2006, I um, started doing the same thing that I did with my other pump sites, you know, just temp basaling up um, by almost a hundred percent for about, it was usually about an hour to two hours, depending on kind of where I was at that point. And if it was, if I was having to change that pod, especially if it was before a meal and I was going to need insulin for that meal with the new pod, yep. I actually, instead of in doing it through the pod, I gave an injection because I just found that a bolus with that new pod site, it never went well. Whereas if I did a temp basal increase, I took a bolus via injection for that food that I was going to eat and let the pod get settled in, I didn't have any blood sugar issues. Okay. Yeah. So, no, yeah. It's everybody's strategy is different, right? But I'll tell you what it what it what that tells me is, and again, this is going to be another sentence you hear over and over again. You have to trust that what you know is going to happen is going to happen. Yeah. So if you make a pod change and your blood sugar is ninety, you still need to do that, right? Yes. R- right. It's okay. Hold on. So yes. she got five point six units. So I'm going to do a temp basal increase ninety five percent for an hour, and bolus. Seven units all now go eat as soon as possible. <laughs> so she's got 5.6 units in from 20 minutes ago or so. She's still 102. Um, and so I'm not scared of those seven units. She's going to be eating in five minutes. And look, the, the, the 5.6 units didn't do anything over the last 20 minutes. So right. I'm good. Uh, my goal here on this bolus is 75 diagonal down while she's about halfway through her meal. Anyway, that's, again, stuff we'll talk about later. Yes. Okay, so. And comfort level with yeah. what you know will happen, yeah, right? Yeah, and, and because, and by the way, and this, these, you have, to, you have to have these experiences. Like, I'm going to leave this in this episode so that you know that things have to happen that you don't expect because yeah. it's data, Right. It's it's I did this and this happened next time. I'd like this to happen. So I'm going to do sooner or later, more or less, whatever it is I'm going to do. But you can't know that unless something goes wrong. Right. Right. And so and so here's a great tip for somebody starting over or who is newly diagnosed. There are no mistakes. There are only experiences that build on for next time. That's it. I see something happen. Instead, you can't get dramatic. You can't get upset. You can't cry. You can't go, oh my God, I'm killing her. You can't do it, right? You say to yourself, okay, bare bones, what just happened here? I put insulin in here. It went up to there and then it came down and crashed. I bet you if I would have put that much insulin in sooner and spread it out a little bit, like I could have created 
the resistance that that blood sugar needed, right? Right, and, right. But if you're busy running around wringing your hands and just you gave away an amazing opportunity. And, right. and, and I will use this as an example. This past weekend, I was helping a mother with a five-year-old, a four or five-year-old boy. And while I was talking to her, this kid's blood sugar went to 300 off of some Cheerios. Uh-huh. And we talked for 20 or 30. Love that breakfast cereal. Oh, oh my gosh. We're talking for tw- <laughs> 20 minutes or so. This poor kid's blood sugar is at 300. It's not moving. And we're getting ready to get off the phone. She's like, he's hungry. I don't know what to do. And I was like, are you, would you like to do something that's going to sound insane? I'll help you. And she goes, I think I'm desperate enough to try something insane. I was like, great. <laughs> How much insulin do you think it'll take to bring a 300 to 90? And she says, a unit. And I said, how much do you think lunch is going to take? And she said, a unit and a half. I was like, cool. Bowl is two and a half units right now. And she said, she's like, well, what's going to happen? We're going to put his blood sugar into a free fall. And then we're going to add the lunch at exactly the right time. And then with a little bit of fast acting carbs, if we need to, we'll bring it in for a landing. I said, I'll never leave you. We'll, we'll text the whole time. We'll talk again when we have to. So she does it. We get diagonal down 290, 275, 250, two arrows down 250. She's texting, oh my God. I'm like, no, 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 perfect. Like, hold on. I actually texted her a picture of uh, um, the guys from Star Wars who are trying to blow up the Death Star. I was like, I said, stay on target. Like, just don't, don't flinch. Like, don't flinch. 250, two down, 240, 230, 200. I said, okay. Now's the time to start getting the lunch together. And she laughed. She goes, oh, it's all ready. It's just here on a plate. <laughs> and I was like, good, good, good. <laughs> I said, when we get the 180, give him the food. So 182 down, kid gets the food. 10 minutes later, now isn't this interesting? We're dropping 10 points every five minutes on the CGM. Then he eats. Then all of a sudden, the dropping stops. The arrows are still there, but now it takes longer to get to 170. It took even longer to get to 160. And she gets to watch this happen. 150, still two down. 140 still two down. I said, okay, it's not going to catch the arrows. Do me a favor. Give him a few ounces of juice. She says, we don't have juice in the house. And I thought to myself, oh, I just killed a kid over the phone. (laughs) 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 Goodbye. Wrong number. (laughs) So she she says, we treat Lowe's with jelly beans because they hit him so hard. I said, that's great. But do you have any liquid in the house that has carbs in it that's not soda? And she's like, oh, we have lemonade. I said, that's great. I want you to give him four ounces of lemonade. So she gives him, and I said, and don't go crazy measuring it. Just give him a little bit of lemonade, right? So she gives him the lemonade, boom, goes to one arrow, goes to diagonal down. The kid comes in, I swear to you, 75, nice and stable. Yeah. His food's been in for a half an hour. And when it was over, she's like, wow, that was nerve wracking. I said, okay, I know that. Clear your head and then go back and look at the boluses, look at the time you put the food in and look at the CGM and figure out how that insulin works in him. Because you just had a master's class, how insulin impacts blood sugar and how food impacts insulin. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's the place that as you know, clinicians, they, they don't have the time to do that. And it's unfortunate is it's unfortunate in the stance that with somebody, something like diabetes, type one diabetes specifically, you need that handholding in an instance like that. You need the ability to be with somebody who can say, you're okay, ride it out. 
you're okay. He's going to be fine. You've got jelly beans. You've got juice. You've got honey. You've got something in the house. You've got a mini glucagon that you could use if you need to. You're going to, he's going to be okay. She's going to be, you're going to be okay. Yep. It's, it'll be fine. But you do, you have to use those learning pieces. I think it kind of goes along with um, a really good friend of mine um, who has had diabetes a bit longer than me, um, which is 30 plus years. Her, her doctor actually gave her kind of a good little hint um, for numbers. You know, we, we start to view numbers in, in diabetes as good and bad, mm -hmm. right? And that comes with that feeling of frustration then. And, oh my gosh, I'm like killing myself or I'm doing something bad or whatever. And he said, you know, the numbers are information. So just like you said, it is, okay, I'm here. Why am I here? Right. You know, what can I learn from this? What can I do better next time? Um, and maybe you analyze it, you know, three hours from now, maybe not in the instant, but it's information. And so he told her, you know, when the number is going to come up on the glucometer, you put the test strip in, you put your blood on the strip and you tell yourself, I am awesome. And here comes a number. Right. Yeah, because right? I just it's, it'll it's tell me what to do next, and it yeah. can't be a judgment. You can't feel judged by it. You can't no. let you can't you know you can't look at it and say bad low. You can say not what I wanted, not what I was right. shooting for, but right. what makes me what gets me to what I'm shooting for. And you know what's funny as as you and I are pretty much wrapping up this first thought, right? Um, I have so many people ask me when they're first diagnosed, what are the things I need to know. And I find around diabetes in general, everyone's looking for an amount or a number from you. Just yeah. please tell me how many minutes I should pre-bolus. Please tell me how many units I should do if his blood sugar is like this. And I tell them all the time, I don't know. Figure it out for yourself. And, right. and you will, right? Like you have to. But I can't give you, no one can tell you that a 10-minute pre-bolus is going to be what's right for you in any given situation, let alone all the time. I, I think it's insane that we think that just because we've set a basal rate of, you know, one and a half units at 2 a.m., that we think that that's what our body's going to need every day at 2 a.m. It's, right. ins it's insanity to think that. It's just the best we have with the technology we have at the moment. Exactly. And, and so if you listen to this thinking someone's going to tell me the rules about what I need to do when I'm starting with diabetes, we did. We told you what to do. It just isn't what you expected. Right. Right. And so right. I get that. I understand that it's it's not a pill disease. It's not take three of these a day and you have to have food with them. Like it's not that easy. And I think as a general too, in the beginning of of learning that comfort level and learning your learning what works for you by watching, you also have to um, take into that the variables mm -hmm. that can mean what you did figure out needs to change because of such and such variable, right? Yes, yeah. So, you know, my breakfast in the morning, if I don't get to go to the gym before or after, my normal breakfast, which I just, I like it, which is why I eat almost the same thing every single day. And it, it works nicely blood sugar wise, but I like it. So, and it's easy. So, but I, the variables that I had to figure out were pre-eating it exercise, post-eating it exercise there those are the variables yeah. you know and so what works in a morning where i'm not exercising at all is completely different than the mornings when i have exercise at such or such time of course the variables are forever changing which is why you have to 
interestingly know what they are and at right. the same time completely ignore them. And and what I mean by that is that you're not a machine, right? So there's certain things that are going to make sense, like you just said. I know if I exercise prior or post that this changes how this bolus needs to be. But if you're walking around trying to decide constantly, am I anxious? Um, did I just bang my knee? Like, like you know, like, am I going to get a call? I, the thing I see people saying online all the time, like, his blood sugar is going up. He's going to get sick three days from now. I'm like, oh, right. my God, just give him more insulin. Like, who cares right. if he gets sick three days from now? I, I, and so that's what I think of when I say be fluid. I, I just that it's going to keep changing at such a rate that for you to try to apply static rules to it is insane. You've got that piece of, of life with diabetes that you can then bring into education, which is why people usually come to us because yeah. we understand it from the living it standpoint, not from the, this is what the clinical book says should be happening. Yep. So do this. I, I'm incredibly proud to say that I've gotten to the point where if I can talk to somebody for about 45 minutes or an hour, they can have a major change in just a couple of days. And yeah. that's that's communication. That's what that it is. is. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what I have in mind, Jenny, for this series. Today, we talked about being newly diagnosed or starting over. The next episode will be about multiple daily injections or MDI. We'll do an episode about insulin, bolusing, pumping, CGMs. And on and on until you and I finish covering every aspect of the things that we talk about on this show. I want to thank Ascensia Diabetes for sponsoring the Remastered Diabetes Pro Tip Series. Don't forget, you can get a free Contour Next Gen Starter Kit at contournext.com forward slash juice box free meter. While supplies last, U.S. residents only. If you're enjoying the remastered episodes, of the Diabetes Pro Tip Series from the Juicebox Podcast, you have Touched by Type 1 to thank. TouchedbyType1.org is a proud sponsor of the remastering of the Diabetes Pro Tip Series. Learn more about them at touchedbytype1.org. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. You spell that G-V-O-K-E-G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N dot com forward slash juice box. If you're living with diabetes or are the caregiver of someone who is, and you're looking for an online community of supportive people who understand, check out the Juice Box Podcast private Facebook group, Juice Box Podcast Type 1 Diabetes. There are over 41,000 active members, and we add 300 new members every week. There is a conversation happening right now that would interest you, inform you, or give you the opportunity to share something that you've learned. Juice Box Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook, and it's not just for Type 1s. Any kind of diabetes, any way you're connected to it, you are invited to join this absolutely free and welcoming community. Jenny Smith holds a bachelor's degree in human nutrition and biology from the University of Wisconsin. She is a registered and licensed dietitian, a certified diabetes educator, and a certified trainer on most makes and models of insulin pumps and continuous glucose monitoring systems. She's also had type 1 diabetes for over 35 years, and she works at integrateddiabetes.com. If you're interested in hiring Jenny, 
You can learn more about her at that link. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Now, listen, there's 26 episodes in this series. You might not know what each of them are. I'm going to tell you now. Episode 1000 is called Newly Diagnosed or Starting Over. Episode 1001, All About MDI. 1002, All About Insulin. 1003 is called Pre-Bolus. Episode 1004, Temp Basal. 1005, Insulin Pumping. 1006, Mastering a CGM. 1007, Bump and Nudge. 1008, The Perfect Bolus. 1009, Variables. 1010, Setting Basal Insulin. 1011, Exercise. 1012, Fat and Protein. 1013, Insulin Injury and Surgery. 1014, Glucagon and Low BGs. In episode 1015, Jenny and I talk about emergency room protocols. In 1016, Long-Term Health. 1017, Bump and Nudge, Part 2. In episode 1018, Pregnancy. 1019, Explaining Type 1. 1020, Glycemic Index and Load. 1021, Postpartum. 1022, Weight Loss. 1023, Honeymoon. 1024, Female Hormones. And in episode 1025, we talk about transitioning from MDI to pumping. Before I go, I'd like to share two reviews with you of the Diabetes Pro Tip series. One from an adult and one from a caregiver. I learned so much from the Pro Tip series when our son was diagnosed last summer. It really helped get me through those first few very tough weeks. It wasn't just your explanations of how it all works, which were way better than anything our diabetes educator told us, but something about the way you and Jenny presented everything, even the scary stuff, that reassured me that we could figure out how to deal with this and to teach our son how to deal with it too. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and experience with us. This podcast is a game changer. 25 years as a type 1 diabetic and only now am I learning some of the basics. Scott brings useful information and presents it in digestible ways. Learning that pre-bolus doesn't just mean bolus before you eat, but means timing your insulin so that it is active as the carbs become active, took me already from a decent 6.5A1C down to a 5.6 in the past eight months. I've never met Scott, but after listening to hundreds of episodes and joining him in his Facebook group, I consider him a friend. Listening to this podcast and applying it has been the best thing I have done for my health since diagnosis. I genuinely hope that the Diabetes Pro Tip series is valuable for you and your family. If it is, find me in the private Facebook group and say hello. If you're enjoying the Juicebox podcast, please share it with a friend, a neighbor, your physician, or someone else who you know that might also benefit from the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox podcast.